All right, everybody, it is Power Ranking Wednesday. I will give you my week six updated power rankings of who the top teams in the NFL are, especially after a hectic week where we no longer have any undefeated teams around the league. Things might change up a little different than we've seen normally. I also give you my patent pending power tankings where I kind of make fun of every team that sucks. Uh, It's always fun to do that, share who's the worst few teams in the league. After that, there's kind of like, uh, what's the best way to say it? There's been a topic around the league that's been popping up for forever now this this season. They're just talking about it anytime it's a slow news day and they don't have anything to talk about. Turf versus grass and the injury problems with it. We've heard some stupid things come up with it. I want to talk to you about that. And honestly, I want to share something else that I think might be a better discussion for the NFL to change over turf versus grass. Let's get this episode started. So, it is week six. Let's talk about the power rankings that took place. Well, I have 14 teams on my list in front of me right now, and all 14 teams I think deserve to be up here. Now, again, if you've never listened before, 14 is not the exact amount of NFL teams there are. There's 32 of them. Why aren't I doing all of them? Well, let's be honest. Do you really care about who's in the middle of the pack? Do you really care about who's the 22nd team in the NFL? No. There's a lot of teams in the middle right now. And I'll be honest, it's hard enough for me to do 14 teams because there's probably some of them you're going to be like, huh, how, how are you picking this team over that team? Well, it's really tough. It's kind of neck and neck with a lot of things. And I'll also be honest and just say it. There's a lot of teams in the middle. How are you supposed to pick between 40, uh, you know, three and three teams? There's just a ton of teams right in the middle. And uh, some of the teams that I even have in the power rankings, I'm not super convinced they're going to be that good this year. It's just as of today, they're up, you know, they're outplaying some of the teams that are below them. So uh, that's why I do 14. There's 14 playoff spots. I'm only picking teams that are playoff contenders. Teams that just missed the cut on this list would be the Steelers, the Saints, and the Jets. Steelers had a bye week, the 3-2, and two, but they are actually in the negative when it comes to total points scored versus total points given up. That offense is putrid poopy butt. That is the only way to describe it, and um, they still have a lot of work to do if they're going to be able to have any chance whatsoever at winning the division or any sort of playoff success. I know Mike Tomlin never has losing seasons, this could be a season, though, where they have that if they're not careful. The New Orleans Saints are kind of similar to the Steelers. They have a pretty solid defense, but, again, a poopy butt offense. That That is with Derek Carr. Their offense just hasn't been good. Um, outside of the, the victory against the, the Patriots, their offense has not looked very convincing at any time this season and has not exceeded 20 points outside of one game this year. So not a good look for the Saints. They're at 3-3, three and three and they're playing the Jaguars this week, where I probably will assume that they lose to them. And then finally, I have the Jets. Uh, the Jets, I think, are a middle-of-the-pack team right now with Zach Wilson, which could be impressive in some people's eyes. After three straight losses, they've now gotten back-to-back wins, one of them against the Eagles, which was fairly impressive. Zach Wilson is actually playing some smart, safe football. I'm not saying this dude is Tom Brady by any means. I'm not saying he's been doing anything that is immaculate, but I will say, you know what? For how much crap he's getting, 
He's doing something that he has not done in recent years. In his last two games, zero um, – or sorry, in his last three games. Uh, these are against the Chiefs, Broncos, Eagles. He's had one turnover. He's had two touchdowns. He's not scoring the ball a lot, but he's playing a very safe game of football. He's allowing his run game to keep him in it, and he's allowing the defense to stay you know, healthy, replenished, and, and get out on the field and not have to worry about hopping up back on the field after another interception. He's really been able to cut down on the turnovers, which is honestly all you could ask of him because he used to be an absolute turnover machine. Honestly, Zach Wilson's, I think he has been improving. So, and I think it showed he's, he's playing a safer game than, than uh, Jalen Hurts who threw three interceptions against him. So I, I just think that he's starting to get a little bit better and he is a young kid. So um, yeah, uh, honestly, I think the Jets are just outside our power rankings. Now that that is done, though, let's talk about who actually made the team or made the list. Uh, at number 14, I have the Los Angeles Rams. And I'll just keep it this way. Cooper Cup has really helped this Rams offense out. They are 3-3 three and three right now and in solid position to continue to fight for a playoff spot this season. I'd already talked about how they had three straight home games in a previous week. Now, obviously, that was when the... That schedule part started, but I really have been watching some of these Rams games and the addition of Cooper Cup returning from his injury really has been the difference with it. They have Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell, some young receivers that are overperforming early, but that veteran presence of Cup, I think really is helping the difference of the Rams. I will say Kyron Williams, he got hurt in the last game that they played in against the Cardinals. That is a concerning sight to see as he was a really the only thing that was helping out the run game. And it already had times where it wasn't great this year. So keep an eye on if the Rams are going to be able to turn around and continue the run game without Williams at 13. We have the Houston Texans. Houston went out and beat a very experienced and veteran saints team with a lot of players that built up a solid, uh, quite solid defensive unit. C.J. Stroud is easily the best rookie quarterback in the league right now, and this is a fun team to watch. Houston's at 3-3 three and three right now, and they're one game behind Jacksonville. Honestly, I really do like this Houston team. They're better than I thought they would be. And again, one game behind Jacksonville, and their upcoming games are at the Panthers and versus the Bucks. They have several winnable games on their schedule. They could definitely compete against the the Chiefs, I, or not the Chiefs. Wow, the Chiefs, the the Jags. Sorry, they could really compete with their division leader in Jacksonville. I think that that is going to be a great division full of youth and young talent, and I can't wait to see what the Texans do. At number twelve, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa had a bye week to prepare for the Detroit Lions this past week, and got hammered. Baker Mayfield missed some deep shots throughout the game that could have made the game much closer, but the pressure from the defensive line got to him to make him overthrow or slightly miss his targets. I still like them the most out of all the NFC South teams, though, and I think they will be okay. I'm not really sold on the offense of the New Orleans Saints, and I really don't believe in Desmond Ritter in Atlanta right now. So give me Tampa Bay. I still like them the most out of everyone in their division. At number 11, we got the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks had a great opportunity to get a big win against the Bengals this past week, but came up short as Geno Smith threw two interceptions that cost the Seahawks in a winnable game. 
They still look like a playoff contender, but this was a game that could have had me believing that they would be able to compete with San Francisco this year. This game, if they won, they would be right up there with the 49ers, except for one extra win because of a bye week. But because of this loss, they're now 3-2, and two, and they're more in the middle of the pack, and it'll take them a couple more weeks to bump back up and have a chance to really compete for that division. At number 10, I got the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys jumped to 4-2 and two on the season with a road victory over the Chargers. I was impressed with this win because Dak Prescott played a clean game and was able to run the offense well despite uh, the turnover margin not heavily being on their side. I talked about this in the pregame of the Chargers uh, breakdown where I said the, the Cowboys team had yet to really, or the Cowboys offense had to yet had yet to really establish any pressure. Succeed on a drive where it is a stressful drive. It's late in the fourth quarter. They need to get a first down. They need to end the game. Brandon Cooks really emerged as a solid weapon on this offense. And you know what? When the time came, the Cowboys were able to run the clock out and end it. A very impressive performance. I think this was probably the People might not want to believe me, but I think this was the best win that the Cowboys had this year because it proved that the offense can still shut down games and get big plays when they need to, even in an ugly low-scoring game. Congrats, Dallas. You're back in the top 10. At number 9, you got the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, that's where we're at right now. The Cleveland Browns managed to pull the upset of the week last week by beating the 49ers with third-string quarterback P.J. Walker. The defense on this Browns team is something fans are going to be excited for. They might be the best defense in all of football right now. Outside of the Dorian Thompson-Robinson game, where he kept giving the ball to the Ravens and turning it over, they've held three teams under 20 points or yeah, under 20 points this season. Very, very impressive by Cleveland. And again, they might have one of the best overall defensive units in football. At number eight, you got the Baltimore Ravens. This Ravens team has been inconsistent on the offensive end so far on the season. Lamar Jackson has had inconsistent performances, but has helped them find ways to win. The defense looks very solid, and this team team is still in the driver's seat for the AFC North. I am worried about an inconsistent run game, and sometimes the weapons don't always seem to be helping Lamar Jackson or vice versa. But, again, an ugly win against the Tennessee Titans did still get them to 4-2 and two on the season. A big prove-it game will be when Detroit comes into Baltimore this next weekend. A win against them would definitely change my mindset on this Ravens team. At number 7, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags have been on quite a roll now, winning three straight games that include a win over the Bills. Trevor Lawrence seems to be playing well, and the offense looks like they really got some some of the early season kinks out now. If we remember, they had a low-scoring affair against the Chiefs and some not very convincing wins against the Colts, or a, a not very convincing win against the Colts in Week One, and then they had a very one-sided loss against the Texans. I think that this Jags team has finally turned that page and has really started to improve on what they've been doing this season. Congrats to this young youth movement. Again, you're still in the driver's seat, but keep an eye because I think the Texans are right behind you. At number six, I got the Buffalo Bills. The Bills racked up another win against the Giants this past week. This team looks to get in the driver's seat of the AFC East. 
at four and two. They've had moments of inconsistency, but they've had more highlights than lowlights. And that's why I think that, well, that's why they have the winning record. Overall, they're a top 10 team as of right now, but I think their higher expectations are catching up to Miami. Remember, they do have a tiebreaker over them because they beat them earlier in the season. So at four and two, they're really only about a half game behind them because if the Dolphins lose and the Bills win, let's say they're both five and two next week. Well, now the Bills are back in the driver's seat and they're leading the division. So keep an eye on them. They're they're closer than some people might think. And they did actually end up beating the Dolphins this year. Now that we've ended with the Bills, we had a lot of four and two teams there that haven't proven a lot. We have all of the five and one teams in the top five. So all of the teams with five wins, I got up here. I had to reshuffle how all of them were sitting, though, because honestly, last week showed a lot to me. At five, you got the Philadelphia Eagles. This team has been playing with its food all season long. This time, they let a team hang around too long, and a Zach Wilson-led Jets team got to score late in the game and defeat the Eagles. Losses obviously happen in the NFL. Despite this being their first loss of the season, glaring concerns like inconsistent run game, Jalen Hurts already beating last year's interception numbers, and a weak secondary that does not look like it has the same strength that did the previous season have me very, very concerned about this Eagles team, especially with the gauntlet of a schedule they still have. At number four, I have the San Francisco 49ers. A very exposing loss for San Francisco has them falling down in my power rankings list this week. Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel both left this past game and did not return. And after they left, the offense was heavily neutralized against Cleveland's elite defense. It shows that they are beatable, which has yet to be seen this year. So that is a takeaway from this past game. A lot of people are immediately jumping to say that Brock Purdy sucks and the 49ers were frauds. No, I don't think that's the case at all. You lose games in the NFL. It's happened to every team now. It's not college football. So, uh, you know, lower your expectations. I didn't expect any team to go 17-0. However, I will say that this offense does not look as smooth if everyone isn't there, which is something that might be a fair criticism or unfair criticism. You, You decide. But without McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, this offense does not look the same. And the next man up mentality did not carry over to whoever is playing behind them. At number three, I got the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs have evolved a lot in the Mahomes era. Gone are the days of the most explosive offense and winning huge shootouts, 42 to to 38. Now they have an elite defense, and I don't throw that word around lightly, even though I've said it about 10 times this episode. (laughs) and they have an offense that can control time of possession with the run game and score to keep their opponents from getting in the game. This team still looks like a Super Bowl contender that we all know. It's more of a rebrand, though. The time of possession, the, the control of the game clock, the run game, and then the ability to always convert on third downs with Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes has this team as dangerous as ever. But this rebrand, will it end up helping them more or less? I definitely believe that it is helpful when it comes to controlling games, finishing games, and with that defense stopping teams from getting back into games. So 
I, I think Kansas City is still a Super Bowl contender like we all expected them to be. Keep an eye on them. They're at number three. At number two, I have the Detroit Lions. The Lions have now won four straight games by 14 or more points. Whoa. They have a top five offense and a top five defense so far in this season as well. On top of it, since their little hot streak that took place last season, you know, everyone remembers that the Lions started 1-6 and six and then were able to turn around their season winning out and only losing a couple more games that year to finish 8 or 9-8. and eight. Yeah, the Lions have had the best run defense in all of football going back to last season. The best. These numbers have not looked good. this good. The Lions have not been playing this good. We'll say it that way. They haven't been playing this good since the 1950s when they were winning NFL championships. So uh, all I can say is that last time this team was playing this good, they were winning championships. Now everyone rips on the Lions for not having a Super Bowl, but back when they were playing in the 50s, they were playing for NFL championships. So this team is pretty damn good. Jared Goff had the best performance out of any quarterback this past week, throwing for over 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Honestly, this was also the most impressive win for the Detroit Lions in my eyes. The loss of David Montgomery all but killed the run game. And, you know, for a team that uses the run game to manage the clock and run the game out, especially in a lower scoring game, that could have been concerning for the Lions. However, Jared Goff managed to make every pass imaginable to keep them in the game without a run game whatsoever. This team looks legit. They're one of my favorite teams, not even because I cheer for them, but they're one of my favorite teams in all of football right now. Just watching them. They're fun to see. And at number one, I have the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins have the best offense in football right now. Tua Tagovailoa has to be the NFL MVP frontrunner right now. And Tyree Kelby may be a contender to beat the single season passing, or not passing, receiving yard record. The Dolphins have the most athletic and explosive offense in the NFL right now. And if they get off to a hot start, I don't believe there's a team that they can play, that can uh, play catch up with them at their best. So that was the power rankings. What about the power tankings? Well, at number three, the third worst team in my eyes right now would be the New York Giants. The G-Men suck. They, they just suck. They have only scored more than 20 points one time this year, and the full team has just regressed. Coaching, quarterbacks, run game, blocking, it's, it's all regressed. Bad clock management before halftime robbed the Giants of points, as backup quarterback Tyrod Taylor audibled into a run play on the goal line, and they did not have an extra timeout, causing the clock to run out and have them miss out on points. That could have been a difference in a low-scoring game against the Bills. At 1-5, their playoff hopes are as realistic as Daniel Jones being able to hold on to a football. Not likely. At number two, the New England Patriots. This team is awful. They have a total of 20 points in their last three games. I didn't expect this season to be this disastrous, but as of right now, playoff talk is dead, and they may need a whole new offense and a QB next year. Obviously, it's been proven that Bill Belichick is a great coach, but when it comes to his abilities as a GM and a general manager, 
I think that they need to have a long talk with him this offseason. And then, unfortunately, again at number one of my power tanking, the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers once again fell short in, in another game this season against Miami. They got out to a convincing 14-0 lead to start this game at the Dolphins and yet still managed to blow up before halftime. That draft pick that they owe to the, uh, to the Chicago Bears keeps getting sweeter every time another game gets added to the loss column. Overall, something needs to start working for this Panthers team because it's really getting ugly. So there's a debate that's been going around in the NFL. It seems like it's just the talking point that keeps getting brought up on slow news days. But I kind of want to help some fans that might not be fully um, aware of what's kind of happening here. So to start things off, the interesting thing with this turf versus natural grass debate that a lot of people are talking about it like it needs to become the norm in the NFL. So for those that don't know, it's been reported over the last several years that a lot of bad injuries, let's talk about leg injuries, ankle injuries, torn ACLs, torn Achilles, the, the leg injuries. A lot of those are more often than not have happened on, on artificial playing surfaces. This is something that's been coming out for several years. Usually artificial playing surfaces have caused more knee injuries, ankle injuries, leg injuries than any other natural grass playing surface. Now, this has made a lot of people feel like there's some some concern and how we should protect the players and, and put the, you know, all AstroTurf fields and grow them to natural grass and how the NFL could do that. They're just cheap and don't want to. Yes, the NFL technically could do that, but I want to break down some instances where it doesn't make any damn sense. To start things off, I am a Lions fan. So let's look at the uh, an NFC North. There are two grass fields and there are two um, AstroTurf fields. The Lions and the Vikings both play in a dome, and the, the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers both play on natural grass. Now, natural grass looks great in the, in the early fall or maybe if you're below the state of Ohio, but for the Lions and the, and the Vikings, their field always looks a lot nicer in the middle of December than the Packers or the Bears. Those fields absolutely dry up and the grass is completely dead on them. And usually there's snow on it for part of the season as well. So the whole thing about growing grass on this, one, how do you necessarily grow grass in a dome stadium that doesn't have any sunlight coming into it or enough sunlight to genuinely grow grass? The perfect example about it, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, they actually have a dome that they play in and they actually have grass. This is a one of one. They have it, the whole field, on a set of wheels, and then after the game, they roll all the turf out underneath the stadium and let it grow outside, and then when it comes to game day, they roll it back in. You want to know a funny thing about it? A really funny thing? Yeah. The Arizona Cardinals, their stadium hosted the Super Bowl last year, and everybody complained about how the turf sucked. The Eagles complained about how the turf sucked. They said they were slipping everywhere. And you know what it was? Grass. So you can find anything to complain about nowadays. It, it's all about what side you want to take. Yes, it has been statistically proven that, that injuries are more likely to occur on AstroTurf than they are on natural grass. But look at the teams that have natural 
natural grass as opposed to teams that are in a dome stadium. Most of the teams within a dome stadium cannot grow amazing grass all year long. I'm looking at the Lions. I'm looking at the Vikings. I'm looking at the New York teams. Yeah, nothing like a 10-degree day in December to make you want to say, man, I hope that grass is nice and comfy for the players to land on. So, yes, the, the NFL technically could do it, but the amount of an investment it would be as a business for them to put that on every single stadium is just unrealistic. What about Mercedes-Benz Stadium or um, Mercedes-Benz Superdome where the Saints play? That's a dome, and, and there is no natural light in that thing. Where, where are they supposed to just grow grass? Are they supposed to just cut the dome off of it? And so some of it has just been completely unrealistic by, by a lot of people that don't want players to get hurt. Trust me, I don't want players to get hurt. I'll give you a guess, though. Players get hurt no matter what. Players do get hurt no matter what. And trust me, I understand. I have played contact sports on natural grass and on AstroTurf. I love natural grass more. It felt better to be tackled on. It felt better to run on. It felt better for my legs. Duh. But you know what? I never complained about it. It happens. There's a chance you can get hurt on any play in in the game of football. So I don't know what some people necessarily want with this. I'll give you a perfect example, though. You know that horrific knee injury that happened to Nick Chubb? Take a guess what playing surface that was on. That was at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. That was where the Steelers play. That's a grass field. And a funny thing about that, a lot of people say that that field's field conditions are one of the worst in all of football. So what is it? That's a grass field. We can play devil's advocate all day, but I don't necessarily want to do that. Bottom line, my argument with it is I can understand why people might want grass fields. I, I agree with them. However... It is not practical for some people to have grass fields because of the weather conditions that their team plays in all season long. The amount of money it would cost for the Detroit Lions or the Minnesota Vikings to grow a grass field and try and do what the Arizona Cardinals do and wheel it in is just completely impossible. So I I understand the concern people have for players, and I, I am right up there with people wanting player safety. I played contact sports on both fields. One of them, when I got tackled on AstroTurf, I could feel the concrete right underneath it. So trust me, I didn't like it. But I also know at the end of the day, there's not much some of these teams can do. They can try and make it better. They can renovate their AstroTurf, but there's a difference between that and growing grass, which some people want, which is ridiculous. The real thing that I wish people would be able to change, and that is um, the kickoffs. This is a thing that I actually want the NFL to look into at potentially changing. Did you know that 80% of kickoffs this year have just been deemed touchbacks? Yes. It's the play that starts every football game, and yet it's been arguably removed from the game. Because the touchback keeps going further out to the 25-yard line nowadays, a lot of kick returners don't really believe that they can make it to the 25-yard line, and they just decide to take a knee, wave a fair catch, or just let the ball bounce into the back of the end zone. Overall, I think that this is something that could change a little bit. And one way I think they could do it is adapting the XFL policy. What does the XFL do? Well, they have both teams line up neutrally instead of running at each other. And it's more targeted into the the back of the end zone or on the last third of the field. And then the kicker stands by himself and punts it deep. And no team is allowed to move until the person that is ready to catch the ball has. 
I think that makes the play a lot safer because you don't have people running at full speeds towards each other. I also think that you could bring the kick return back. I've argued for several years that this is a dead play that doesn't matter at all in the game of football. And I'd like to see the kick return back in the game. Make it safer, make it more practical, and maybe lower the chances of injury, and they will definitely do kicks more. I think you got to change the play, though, because it has been unwatchable for the longest time. I mean, you get to the start of a football game, they kick it off, it's a touchback, they go to commercial break. Why even watch the beginning then? So that's something that I wanted people to keep an eye on. And if you don't believe me, watch – if you didn't watch the XFL – or watch what they do for the kickoffs. I'll probably post a clip of it um, on my Facebook page at some point throughout the day, but keep an eye on what the XFL did for kickoffs because, honestly, I feel like the NFL should try and copy it and do something similar to it. Well, I'm going to wrap the episode off there. My name is Max. This has been Max Sports. Tomorrow, I give you my NFL picks and share the top headlines of what's going around the league. After that, on Friday, it's your college football-filled episode. I give you some college picks. I talk about my favorite Heisman frontrunner right now and more, especially the big game coming up this week against the Penn, or between the Penn State Nittany Lions and the Ohio State Buckeyes. I'll definitely break down that game because it's got to be one of the biggest games of the season so far. Well, I'm going to call the episode there. Thank you all for listening. My name's Max. This has been Max Sports. I will see you all tomorrow. Adios.